Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Welcome, 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 welcome. So today is Vision Sunday, and as we start the term together, we want to look at where we're going as a church community. And real simple, our vision is Jesus. We're only here for one reason. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And he's calling us to a mission, which is, again, we're really clear about as a parish church. For the last 1,200 years, we've been meeting on this site. The old church building is still down there, St. Augustine's Tower. And in those 1,200 years, we've had a singular purpose, and it's to bring hope to the people of East London. And that's why we're here. A couple of things you're going to need today as we update on where we're going for the future. Um, one is the autumn update. And this is um, both informative. It tells you a little bit what's going on. If you open it up, you'll be able to see some of the sort of stats and things that are going on in the life of the church. Uh, pie charts with some of the finances, and we'll say more about that in a moment. Uh, this is like a family meeting. Twice a year, um, what we do is we, we kind of share where we're heading as a family. If you're a visitor, if you're watching online, you're not here part of the church community, you are so welcome. But, but understand, you're, you're sitting in on a family meeting, so we're going to do some family business today, which is why we're taking up a sort of special offering today and next week. And you'll see from the snapshot here of the, the needs of the community over the next season and some of the ways that we can all be involved. And also, um, you're going to find uh, uh, this very useful on a hot day like this because um, it, you, if you're bored at any point in the talk, you can use it as a fan or if you're overheating. It is the perfect fan. So there you go. Uh, the second thing you're going to need is a give card. And we're going to take up an offering. And again, we're going to do this this week and again next week uh, just towards the life of the church. And our prayer really is that if you aren't already giving regularly as part of the church, that this would be a Sunday where you go, okay, I'm jumping in. And if you are giving, but you think, oh, you know, I really believe in what God's doing here, this is a moment to step up. You know, the need of the church practically is huge. The figure that we uh, have identified as being the, 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 the target that we're praying God will provide between now and the end of the year is 576,533 pounds. And we'll let God do the maths. You might have three of those pounds. You might have 500,000 of those pounds. We're not so worried about that. We'll let God do the maths. But the point is, we want everyone to be part, a stakeholder of this vision, not a consumer, but a contributor. And that's what we're doing today. And there are really four things that we want to encourage everyone who considers this their home church. If you come to church here, this is where you come and you, you know, you're encouraged. There are four ways to be involved. And again, you're going to find those on the inside of this. How to respond. Well, everyone praying, everyone belonging, everyone giving, and everyone helping. And again, you can find ways to be involved both online and the gift card is a key response today. And before we jump into what I'm going to share today, I wanted to encourage us. In the last six months, we have been experiencing uh, not business as usual as a church, and you'll know this. We've just, God has been so kind, and we're seeing the fruit of that. We're going to share it a little more about. You're going to hear firsthand some of the stories of that today. But when we look back at what God has been doing over the last six months, it is incredible. You know, we are part of something that we never want to take for granted. It is a work of God. It's not any one personal clever ideas or strategy. We have to just say, well, look, this is, this is not business as usual. And so have a look at the screens. Here's a little taster, a reminder of what you have been doing over the last six months. Have a little look at this look back. Praise God. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done here. And we know that the best is yet to come. 
that you are beginning a great work in this place that generations will be impacted by. And Lord, we, we give it all to you today. Lord, it's not about us. Lord, we get to play our part in it, but God, we are so grateful for your love for the people of East London that you never leave yourself without a witness. And we pray today that you'd prepare our hearts for what you're calling each one of us to do, that none of us would be spectators, that we would all respond to the work of your spirit in this place. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. I'm gonna jump straight into our reading this morning, which comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter one. Mark was the earliest gospel, an eyewitness account of Jesus' ministry. And chapter one is the earliest recording of Jesus' ministry. And in this first chapter, I believe we're gonna find some things today that are gonna help us understand when we go back to the basics of the heart of God's call on us as a community, what God might be calling us to. So look with me, Mark chapter one. I'm gonna read verses one to 18. It's gonna come up on the screen as I read. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. That is what I want to speak to you about today. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the peoples of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the River Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and another belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one, more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You're so Anglican this morning. A wise friend once told me, all you need to do as a Christian is watch for signs of God at work and go. Where you see God on the move, go there. Many of you will have heard me talk about how earlier this year in February, we began to hear stories of an outpouring beginning to happen in, of all places, Kentucky, Asbury. And we jumped on a plane, a few of us, Steve and I went kind of on a whim, we just prayed about it, we talked to the sort of senior team, trustees, we said, look, if there's anything that God might be doing, we want it. And Jen, Jamie, one of our church wardens who's here this morning, I rang her up and said, look, is this crazy? And she said, well, look, if there's any chance that God's on the move, surely we want it for Hackney. Go, fill your suitcase, come back. 
And you'll have heard me talk about this at the last vision day because it was not long after that time. And we just began to see God move, not just in Kentucky, but here, lives being transformed. I'll say more about that in a moment. But as it happens, quite fun, the story of the outpouring that began in Kentucky and has swept all around the world now began with a college pastor, a guy called Zach Meerkreeps, who preached a regular college sermon at a chapel service, at the end of which he said, Lord, come and revive us, and headed on home, and nothing really happened. And within an hour, the presence of God had filled a space called the Hughes Auditorium in such a powerful way that, that all around the community, hundreds of young people just began to get convicted of their need for Jesus and ran into that building and got right with God. And it sparked a, a, what the New York Times called the first great revival of the 21st century in the West. 100,000 people, they estimate, came over a two-week period to meet with Jesus. But not just that, it began to spark revivals and outpourings of the Holy Spirit all around the world. And I think we're probably grateful for that time. Certainly grateful those students started to press into God. And as it happens, by coincidence, um, Zach and his wife, KP, and one of the students, um, Ava, were flying through London. They flew through London this morning. And I said, is there any chance you might just come and pray for us? So, Zach, would you come up? Zach, mere creeps, come and join me this morning. So this is, this is fun. Um, just tell us, like, you preached in a chapel and God began to do something. Like, like you're a regular guy. I've got to know you a little bit. Just tell, we'll grab your microphone if that's right. Take this one. No, no, here, 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 here. Oh, thanks, Nate. Um, just tell us, like, what happened? Like, what, what did God do? Yeah, regular is a kind word. Um, the sermon was not regular. I had actually texted my wife right after I preached that I'd laid a stinker and I'd be home soon for a nap. <laughs> and really the, the heroes of the story, ultimately the hero is Jesus, but there was 19 students that just had permission to stay and linger. And we had uh, a worship leader, George Dumaine, who led worship for 17 hours the first day and just uh, leaned into the presence. And pretty quickly I could tell that the Lord had met us uh, in our hunger to experience the love of God for ourselves. It ended with, we can't love each other authentically. We can't love horizontally unless we first experience his love vertically. And we just gave it a shot if we would experience his authentic love. And these 19 students took us up on that. And then 100,000 people took us up on that as well. <laughs> so. We, we first met kind of in the, in the, the side of the, the Hughes Auditorium, and I remember just um, the sense of bewilderment. I mean, it wasn't church like normal. And I think the reason I wanted to, 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 to hear firsthand an eyewitness account is I think we are learning that there is more. There is more. Jesus has so much more for us, if only we would ask. But give us a flavor of what it was like in the Hughes Auditorium experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that wasn't regular. You know, you've been around church, we've been around church. Tell us what it felt like. Yeah, it felt... It felt like um, there was no room for our flesh. And just, we had been pressed down, shaken up, and he was gonna pour out to overflowing, and our flesh just didn't have a seat at the table. And 
What's remarkable is it was just overwhelming peace and gentleness and humility of Jesus. Like in, your, in the reading today, like John the Baptist knew, I can't even untie his sandals. Like I, I can't even like repent. I can't. And that is what created space. Uh, we went lower, 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 and he just filled the space. And um, I've been wrecked ever since. <laughs> so it's good to be here with other wrecked people. <laughs> the burning question, it's like Asbury, it's K- Kentucky. I mean, oh gosh, what, what, you know, what's special? But, but we believe that, that revival is possible. That's what I've taken away is that I've read about it, I've heard about it. We're longing for more of Jesus in our generation. Do you, would you now look at that? When I ask you the question, is revival possible? What would the answer be? Yeah, so clearly we feel like, you know, like the two spies instead of the 10. Like we've seen the land and it's possible. We've seen the grapes and the people and there's some things we gotta do, but the land is ours. The land is yours. It's inevitable. Uh, but we have, to do, we have to lower ourselves. We have to die to self. And um, it's not only inevitable, it is happening. It's not just in one more. We've been traveling around the world since, and it is happening. It's bubbling up. And uh, I, I just claim it as a t- one of the two spies. <laughs> it will be here soon. Yeah. It will be here soon. So we're really um, grateful to, to Zach and, and uh, KP and Ava who are here. They're gonna, we're going to actually, if you're a volunteer, part of the crew here, we have a kind of crew night once a term. And on Wednesday, um, we've asked Zach to come, and we're going to kind of share all about what went on and just if you're a part of that crew it's not too late to sign up good pitch join a crew come and join us on Wednesday night and then Thursday night Nate mentioned the prayer gathering here where we gather with hundreds of people to pray for revival with KXC and Imprint and many other churches now and um, we'll, we'll be around we'll be sharing some things about what we've learned and, and this is not for um, we're not interested in looking backwards what we want is lives to be impacted by not religion but by Jesus you know, we long for more of Jesus in this place, and that's our prayer. So, um, Zach, you're going to pray for us a little bit later, so I'll let you go and sit down. But thank you. We encourage Zach and KP and Ava. So today's talk is entitled, Prepare the Way for the Lord. And the question which I've been wrestling with ever since coming back from seeing firsthand what happened in Kentucky and actually seeing what's been happening here You know, in those first few weeks, hundreds of people committing their lives to Jesus. Ever since, story after story of God moving in this place in ordinary, normal ways, but with a sense of urgency. It's like God is jealous for this generation. He wants his church back. He's gonna do nothing but come with love and restore and sometimes correct and level and and bring low the idols, but he wants his church back. And the question I've been asking of the Lord is, what do we need to do? Like, you know, what do, we, what do we do? And the Lord has been over and over again encouraging me with two things. I'll share this with you. The first, he said to me, Al, you don't need to do anything but change your heart. Start with your heart. Don't worry about the outward appearance. Don't worry about the form and the formula. Change your heart. Start with the heart. And the second thing has been this sense that I've had, I can't really shake. And I've waited a while to share it. But I've just felt the Lord keeps saying to me, prepare the church for revival. If I, I felt, if I'm honest, I felt the Lord say six months ago, you've got 18 months out to prepare the church revival. And one of the first rules with the prophetic is no dates, no times. You know, we don't prophesy like birth dates, marriages, you know. Uh, but um, 
I've been holding that for six months. And I'm sharing that because like, well, you know, the clock is ticking, so to speak. I'm like, Lord, what would it look like if we got ourselves ready? The timing is up to the Lord. But it got me thinking, you know, what would we do differently if we knew that God wanted to bring revival to East London? How would we live differently? How would you and I give differently? How would we serve differently? How would we belong and foster community? How would we disciple one another differently if we knew that there was a great harvest coming? What would we do differently? And then it got me thinking, well, even if the Lord doesn't bring revival, isn't that a good way to live as Christians? You know, shouldn't we be ready for Jesus? Even if we're sowing for what another generation would reap in the future, shouldn't we be doing the things that God would call us to do? And so that's what I want to share today. It's like, what would it look like to prepare for revival? What is revival? Jonathan Edwards defines it like this. Revival is an intensification an acceleration of the normal work of the Holy Spirit. The emphasis here is on the word normal. Charles Finney, again involved in one of the Great Awakenings, said this, revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It's giving up one's will to, to God in deep humility. That's what we want. That's what it means to be a Christian. And there are these moments in human history when God breaks in sovereignly into culture and brings about the renewal of his church in such a way that many people who are not religious types come and experience love and hope and life. I mean, this nation has been marked by great awakenings. Think of the the Dark Ages and the Celtic revival that spread through Britain that led to this community as many others were planted a thousand years ago. The Middle Ages, the Great Awakenings, the Wesleys, whose hearts were strangely warmed at a midnight prayer meeting, 3 a.m., Fetter Lane, a mile from here in East London. Whitfield, preaching to tens of thousands on the Hackney Marshes. Fry, Elizabeth Fry, started the prisons ministry here on the street, Mare Street. William Booth, Spurgeon, the Anglo-Catholic revival swept through East London a hundred years ago. Many of the churches, including this one, were built in that great awakening that swept through that community. The Oxford Movement. Joshua Watson, John James Watson. One was a vicar here. Another was a church warden here. They were brothers. and They said, we want revival among kids. It's no good the kids going off to the workhouse. They started educating, they started schools, they planted the first church schools. Now today, a million kids are educated in Christian schools in this nation, church schools, thanks to these guys. God's done it before. And there's no doubt that we need it today. We are living in a broken moment in history. You don't need me to tell you this. Hopelessness, addiction, poverty, suffering, anguish. Only the embers of the church are remaining. Less than 1% will attend a parish church in East London today. We should be heartbroken. We should be desperate. We should be like those who wept over the ruins of Jerusalem. Lord, don't pass us by in this generation. And the good news is it's always when the fire is at its lowest ebb, when the embers are all that remain that God lights the fire of awakening in the hearts of ordinary people going about their ordinary lives like you and me. And that's why we cry, God, do it again. What if we had a year to get ready for revival? What if we sowed our lives in such a way that this community would never be the same? 
that we leave a legacy of love for generations to come. You know, I'd rather us as a church community live expectantly than reluctantly. I'd rather that we burned with expectant fire of hope than sort of died out with smoldering embers of apathy. And this is not about revival. Don't get me wrong, I'm not interested in revival. What we are interested in is that people would meet Jesus. You seek revival, well, you're going to get disappointed. You seek Jesus, you're going to get revival thrown in for free. That's what we want. And so here are five quick things that I see in this passage right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry that I believe are important for us as a church community, for those of us here today, those of us watching online, those of us in the balconies, five I guess, foundations that we're going after in this season. First is this, that we would be a church marked by consecration. That this would be a place to get right with Jesus, not of condemnation, but of consecration. To be set apart. Repentance and forgiveness, verse four and five of Mark one. John the Baptist, he comes preaching repentance and forgiveness, and people come confessing their sins. You know, everywhere I look, I see people getting right with Jesus. No judgment, no condemnation. The conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, come. You know, if you could see what we see here on a Sunday morning, people praying and leaving behind their baggage. This is like the, the unclaimed baggage of lives left behind, addictions broken, sin set free, hope restored. I got this text yesterday. I'm gonna, I've asked permission to share this from a young man in our congregation. He wrote this, I was at church serving and I loved Jesus deeply. Jesus had changed my life six years ago, but that over six years later, I was in a low headspace and I began to use cocaine for the first time on a night out. That turned into a weekend pattern of drinking heavily and using coke. I was stuck in this pattern. My love for Jesus was shaking as my addiction was growing. I pursued the weekend to find escapism, fun, and oblivion. With deep shame and guilt, I would cry out to God for help, and again and again I'd use. I agonally decided I would share my struggles with a close friend, and I was met with love and with kindness. And then in March, we began to experience this wave of the Holy Spirit moving, the presence of God setting people free, and he wrote this. There were three key services here at Saint. At one service, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I saw Jesus sat next to me with his arm around me, I discovered a new way of the love of the Father. In the second service I came to, I was prayed for by one of the church leaders and a close friend, and I received God's Holy Spirit and power. Again, I unashamedly shared the ugliness of my situation. I was met with love and compassion. A week later, I went sober, and I've stayed sober. But I was living with guilt and shame of what my life had fallen into. Finally, at one of the joint prayer gatherings, like the one we'll have on Thursday, he says, two guys I didn't know prayed for me down the front here. And when I thought I was done, they kept saying, we sense we need to keep praying for you. And as they prayed, deep work began. I was delivered of my addiction. I was being set free. Chains were breaking. Freedom was falling in my life. The Holy Spirit was moving in a way I'd never experienced before. Jesus was kind, and he set me free from the last two years of my life. And he ends with this. He, Jesus, is jealous for us. I discovered again that Jesus deeply misses us when we decide to look to the world for our needs and the desires. He's jealous for us. He chased after me in my addiction. And he's devoted to me. And I've seen that so clearly in my life. 
Praise God. Come on. You know, it's worth it for one story of someone getting free. This isn't hype, this is hope. This is what Jesus does. He's done it from the beginning of Mark 1. He's still doing it today. We want to be a place of encounter where we linger in the presence of God, where we don't rush away, or we, you know, if we worship and that's all we do, that's okay. That's why we have ministry like we do, an altar here where you come forward and get prayed for. You know, I, I, I came forward last week, got prayed for, I felt very different afterwards. Take it from me, you don't have to be like in a mess to be down the front. You know, let's keep making those spaces where we can keep being set apart by God, consecrated by him. I want us to walk in ongoing repentance, that humility that Zach was talking about. And if you're here today and you feel like you're on the fence, like you've been living a compartmentalized Christianity where God is a Sunday God for you, if your heart has felt cold, don't leave today without having got a chance to press the reset button on your life. We'll have a moment later where we'll pray together. So secondly, we want to be a church marked by contending, contending prayer. John knew the secret. It was not about John. His purpose was to get out of the way and let Jesus become greater, get his glory. In fact, behind me, I don't know if you can see, there's a, a reredos. It's the only bit of the building that is untouched. People say, oh, you know, your church is really nice. You did it out real good. You painted the bit. It's even got gold. I hate to break it to you. That's been here for about 70 years. It's the only bit that's original. Why do we keep the rear dust when we did the building up? Because that tells the story of Mark 1. John the Baptist saying, behold, here comes the Lamb of God. John's whole ministry was watching for the signs of Jesus coming among him. In fact, the whole phrase that John says in John 3, verse 30, is this, his, he, Jesus, must become greater, I must become less. This is what John is contending for. Look at verse 7, verse 8 of Mark 1. He says, after me comes one. You know, we live in the age of the influencer. Everybody's trying to big up their profile. The whole of Mark's ministry is like, it's not about me. <laughs> Can we be a church like that? It's not about saints. It's about Jesus. After us comes one. Can we get together and contend for that? Can we be a church that says it's, it's, it's just Jesus? And every great awakening is preceded by a season of sacrificial and prolonged and passionate prayer. What you might call travailing prayer. Not just, dear Jesus, here's our to-do list. But God, would we get on our knees and wreck ourselves before you? Would we cry out to God that he wouldn't pass our generation by? Could we be that kind of church where it gets messy and we get snotty and we need to, but we never used tissues before. I was saying to some of our church leaders the other day, you know, six months ago, we started ordering tissues and we've still got tissues, I hope we have. We need tissues now on a Sunday because People are just crying, meeting with Jesus. Could we be a church that sows in tears? You know, you want to know what God is up to, follow the tears. The great preacher Spurgeon saw a great move of God in 1850 in South London. And missionaries from all around the world came to see this amazing work of God. Tens of thousands of young people converted to Jesus, rescued from lives of poverty and addiction. 
And they knocked on the side door, and I was reminded of this story with a friend I was seeing last week. And he reminded me, these two missionaries came, they, they knocked on the side door of, of Spurgeon's church. There was a huge queue out the front. It was a cold Sunday. Thousands of people waiting to get into church, and they knocked on the door, and, and this smartly dressed man, the beard, quite portly, opened the door and said, come in. And they said, we're here to see the secret of this great work of God. What's going on? And he said, oh, you must come and see our heating apparatus. Because it was a cold day, they thought that they'd misunderstood them and they were going to be ushered downstairs to the boiler room where there was some new heater that kept the building warm. That's why people were coming to church. They walked down into the bowels of the building and they opened the door and, and there inside this room, the man ushered them in and there were a, a small room crammed full of desperate saints crying out to God on their knees, tears staining their faces, crying out, Lord, would you come and rescue people today? Would you fill this place with your love? There are desperate people on the streets. We need you, Jesus. They were sowing in tears. And the man, of course, it was Spurgeon who'd let them in, said, here's the secret. This is the heating apparatus that's fanning the flames of revival. Could we be a church that does the same? Could we come and pray on a cold January, Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, when we gather on Thursday morning to pray this week? Could you come and pray on Thursday night? Seven to 11, you pray all night. We're gonna learn to pray. We wanna start praying more. Could we be a church that contends for awakening? Matthew Henry said this, when God intends great mercy for his people, he sets them a prey. Then the third thing is a church marked by community. God is in community. He's Trinity. In the same way, we are called to be a community of love. Without communion with God and each other and unity, you can't get community. The word literally is made up of the word communion and the word unity. We worship a God who is love, who's in relationship with himself. We want to be a church that holds unity in communion with God, flowing from that relationship of love. Mark 1, 11, again, a voice came from heaven, the Father speaking. The first time in Scripture we see the Trinity all together. The Father speaking, the Spirit descending, and Jesus there. And the Father says, you are my son, the Jesus, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. We're a community of love. And the invitation of Jesus is to everyone. Everyone is welcome. There's room for everyone at the Lord's table, every race, every age, every background, every ethnicity, every gender, every sexuality, every identity, every one of us. We're all loved by God. Since when do we block people from coming to know Jesus? Jesus is inviting us in as we are into that relationship with him that we would be a community of love. You know, the world is busy fighting culture wars, dividing itself over every possible conceivable difference. We are called to be the opposite. We're called to unite ourselves around the broken body of Jesus. What's the antidote to culture wars? Well, it's the love of God. Hey, you're different to me. That's great. Look at the person next to you. I bet they're different to you. Wouldn't it be boring if we all looked the same and liked the same things and supported the same football team and voted the same way and did the same jobs? Isn't it a blessing that you look around this room and, hey, there's unity and community. 
And it's worth fighting for this unity. We will not let the devil divide us. There are a thousand reasons we could divide along different lines. We are not going to let that happen here. Because without unity, you can't have revival. Psalm 133, where brothers and sisters dwell in unity, God does what? God commands his blessing. The opposite is true. Where there's division, there's cursing. So let's fight for unity. Let's fight for community. We have an amazing guy called Zach who's on the staff team. He helps look after the staff here. And Zach is just the most wonderfully polite guy. He's here today. I'm not going to embarrass him. No, he is. You, yeah, you can, we love you, Zach. He is just such a servant-hearted guy. You know, he's late in the morning, late in the evening. He's, he's here fixing stuff. He's an amazing guy. And, and Zach um, uh, sent me a text message. And he's never, he's always so polite. And I got this message from Zach on, uh, on earlier in the week. And, uh, and it went like this, just two words. And it came up, you know how you, you know, your text message is like they preview on your phone. The, 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 the words came up and it just said, um, forgive me, this is going to be honest. Um, if you, it's a, a, a kind of... A, a language warning. I'm really sorry, kids. He just said two words. And the first word begins with F and has four letters. And the second word begins with U. The text message just said, F, U. And I was like, oh, wow. <sighs> what has happened? I was like, if you know Zach, that is very out of character. I've never heard him get angry with anybody. <laughs> like, like getting rid of the, the alert. I was like, what has happened? Have I upset him? I was like, search me, oh Lord. Like, t test my heart. <laughs> like, have I done anything wrong? Oh my goodness. So I, I was like, I can't wait to get out of the meeting and call Zach and say, Zach, I am really, really sorry. Have I upset you? I don't know what's happened. And so I sat there for like 30 minutes. I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder what's going on. And then I remembered <laughs> earlier in the day, Zach and I had had a conversation by text. And it went like this. Hey, Al, just to let you know, somebody has graffitied the front door of the church. But don't worry, I've painted it over. And I was like, oh, Zach, you're amazing. And I said in the text, what did they write on the front door of the church? <laughs> and he texted back what they'd written just to absolve him. <laughs> there was nothing wrong in our relationship. You know, when the world walks through the doors here, they're wondering if we're going to tell them to, to go somewhere else. They're wondering if our love for one another is real. Jesus says, you'll know they're my disciples because they're love for one another. Could we be a church that really prizes community? You know, could you root yourself in relationship in this season? If we want to prepare for awakening, prepare for revival, get yourself in a connect group. Share your home with somebody. Open your life. You know, invite someone for lunch. You go, when you go and share a plate of jollof, don't sit with your friends. Go find someone you don't know. If you're a Nigerian, don't just sit around and say, well, this is not Ghanaian. It's better than Ghanaian jollof. Go find someone from Ghana. I mean, it's an old joke, by the way. The Ghanaian one is better. All right, calm down, calm down. Like, <laughs> communion looks like jollof shared between Nigerians and Ghanaians, is what I'm saying. You know, could you, if you're a person who's got a, 
space at your table at lunch today. Invite someone over. If you're a young person here, could you go and adopt someone who's been around a bit? Why should loneliness be a pandemic that carries on? You know, if you're an older person here and you may be married and you've got kids or they've grown up and gone, could you adopt a student here? You know, could we be a community that loves vertically and horizontally, open our homes? Could we make sure that we're loving each other well? Fourthly, we want to be a church marked by compassion, that God has sent us the places of greatest need. Look at me, verse 12. At once the Spirit sent him out into where? The Christian Conference, Focus, Vision Sunday, the wilderness. In fact, the word in the Greek is, is the place of desolation. It was the place where the people of God had been defeated in battle. We're living in a moment when for our young people, it is such a challenging time. Generation Z, Generation Alpha, those in their late teens, those in their 20s today, God's heart is broken for you. We're seeing such signs of hope here. The only young people I used to see, if I'm honest here, are a handful of teenagers, and the church would be full of young people when we did funerals for kids who'd lost their lives in stabbings. That's not youth work. We long for revival among the teens in Hackney across East London. And we're seeing signs of hope. You know, our youth meet now in St. Luke's, dozens of them each week. Youth East, over 100, 150 sometimes gather regularly. We saw a 1,000 teenagers being involved in the mission we ran earlier in the year. Signs of hope. But I was talking to a lady called Carol on the Kingsmead estate. She said, oh, our teens won't ever come to youth. They're too afraid to cross the Homerton High Street. Just afraid. I said, well, wouldn't they come if, you know, no, they're only going to stay on the estate. And I'm like, well, you're telling me that Jesus died and rose from the grave, crossed the great divide? Could we not cross Homerton High Street? You know, could we not go? Could we not go and send teams and love teenagers and love people and look after the homeless, look after the vulnerable, work with addicts, encourage life, plant lighthouse, plant churches? Could we not go to the estates, to the neighborhoods where people are too afraid to leave home? You know, the most effective strategy for the gospel is church planting. Take a community, place it in a neighborhood, pray, see people come to know Jesus. Imagine if we didn't build big churches, but we sent teams to love people in neighborhoods across London. That's what we're going to do. We're already on five locations tonight. Today, we're launching our sixth location, St. Barnabas on Homerton High Street, where that neighborhood, where that estate is, where the kids are too afraid to cross Homerton High Street. And that's because the bishop and the people there are saying, could you come? They haven't got a vicar at the moment. Could we start services there? Could we get things going? There are three churches there. Two of them, one on the Kingsmead Estate, the Wally Foster Center, two right in the heart of estates. You, could we go and bring places of prayer and hope and youth work and life and hey baby, in the heart of communities? God is opening doors. I've no idea how we're gonna do it. Well, we need revival because he's calling us to go. <laughs> You know, we currently have five buildings and, it's, you know, it's quite a cost at the moment. We're going to be on eight buildings by Christmas. All Saints Leighton, another church in the middle of an estate that we're planting into. 
You know, we have 12 services at the moment. Well, do the maths. Eight locations, or one, two, three. That's 24 services maybe on a weekend. I mean, I'm not going to go to all of those services. You're going to need to go. You're going to need to get ordained. You do it better than me. Now, can you go and love some people? Can you go and plant Lighthouse and Hey Baby and pray for revival to come? Some of you are going to need to get ordained. But there's treasure in East London buried beneath the ground. There are diamonds here that God is calling out of the hidden places to lead this next generation. Earlier this week, I got a text from Graham Nickel, one of our treasurers, whose finger is on the pulse. Uh, he said to me, oh, the Rolling Stones are coming to Hackney. I was like, I didn't know you were a Rolling Stones fan, Graham. But, uh, he said, the Rolling Stones are coming to Hackney. In fact, they're launching their new album, on Wednesday at the Hackney Empire, and it's called Hackney Diamonds. Did you hear this? This Wednesday, one of the biggest bands in the world, first album of original material in 18 years. And what do they call it? Hackney Diamonds. Wednesday, Hackney Empire, I went down to see what was going on. Jimmy Fallon was interviewing, they live streamed it to the world. Millions of people were watching, and Mick Jagger was sitting there in the Hackney Empire, and Jimmy Fallon says to him, hey Mick, so why Hackney Diamonds? What does that mean? Mick Jagger said, well, you know, Jimmy, in East London, when they smash your car window and nick your stereo and there's glass on the ground, they call it Hackney Diamonds. I thought, no, that's not the diamonds I see in Hackney. That's not what I see. Not people coming, we don't be famous for crime. There's another kind of diamond trapped under the ground here. It's you. I wonder what's holding you back. What's held you back from leading, from responding to the call of God, from giving, from helping, from belonging, from, from praying? You know, maybe you're trapped under a ceiling of, I could never do that. Intellectualism, racism, discrimination, ageism, I'm too old, I'm too young. You, let me tell you this today from the front with the microphone, in Jesus' name, God is calling you to come, to follow him, to move and follow him with compassion, to go into the wilderness. You're a Hackney Diamond. You're a Leighton Diamond. You're a West Ham Diamond, Shoreditch Diamonds, Homerton Diamonds. Some of you are going to get ordained. I think of Leroy who's here. John and Jackie Palmer are here. Loads of you here going forward and saying, well, if Al can do it, I could do it probably a lot better. We agree with you. I think of Des Brown. Remember this congregation? Des was imprisoned for killing a man, taking his life. Served his time, met Jesus on the way. Now is working, placing mentors on every estate in East London. In Jesus' name, working with Leroy, we're hoping, in the future. To plant beacons of hope, Hackney Diamonds, find the treasure buried. You could never do it. The only future for you is a life of crime. That's not true. Jesus has another plan for you. Could we be a church that encourages life and creativity with great compassion? And we want to give ourselves away. We don't want to just be for hackney. You know, if you have a bath at home, you have two plugs in the bath. One that you put the plug in and you fill the bath up. There's another outlet, very important one, because you're going to go off and you're going to start cooking your dinner. You're going to forget about that bath. And it's going to fill the tub up, 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 up. And there's a second outlet at the top, the safety valve that if, it doesn't, if it's not there, the bath will overflow and it will ruin the house. You need a safety valve. Likewise, as a church, if we just pray for hackney, 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 
or we don't give ourselves to Judea, Jerusalem, the ends of the earth, all the happiness will ruin the house. We want to overflow. That's why we're running Renaissance, because we want to see creativity encouraged in churches all around the world. We want to see people who are going to make a difference and innovate and bring life in the arts and business and all different areas of society. And it's beginning to happen. Hundreds of churches around the world starting to run this work, Renaissance. And we've got a role to play in overflowing. We don't want to hang on to it. That's why we're giving ourselves to the work, because we believe in overflow. If you want to keep something from God, you've got to give it away. And then finally, and I going to wrap up with this. A church marked by calling. Notice this. It ends with this. Jesus says in verse 17, come and follow me. You know, my prayer in this season is that we would see many people come to know Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't yet know him. The only thing you need to give today is your life. I was talking to someone yesterday. He brought his 15-year-old daughter to the last vision day. I've still got the card that she filled in. She said, today I'm giving my life to Jesus. Her life has been transformed ever since then. You know, could we be a community that follow Jesus, call others into that? And you know, it's happening. Hundreds of people quietly each Sunday recommitting, committing their lives to be serious about following Jesus. I think of, well, I'm not going to embarrass her. She's here this morning. and um, uh, Well, I asked her if we might share a bit of her story. And we made a little film of Steph's story. Steph has just been on Alpha, finished in July. And um, I'd love us to encourage her. It takes guts to share your story. But here's Steph's story. Have a little look at what Jesus has done in Steph's life. My life before coming to Alpha and coming into faith was a rather lost experience for me. I was in active addiction for 20 years and I destroyed not only myself but so many people around me. But in my heart there was something missing. It was a friend of mine that suggested doing an Alpha course and I put it off for a year. I'm not going to lie. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. And I was on the bus going to one of my meetings just down the road here and I saw your banner on the side of the church and I was really struggling. And I was like, well, I've got to give it a try now. It's, it's, it's there for a reason. Coming to Alpha allowed me to open up and be more receptive to what was being said to me. And I was in a place where I wanted to hear the answers to my questions. My life was changed by being on Alpha, by knowing that I'm loved. It gave me a platform to share my story be validated, be accepted, and ultimately be respected. Life is difficult, things happen. It's not all sunshine and lollipops. Coming to Alpha allowed me to get to know him and have a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to be baptized soon, I'm so excited. I just see him in everything now. I'm studying to be a counselor and I just don't think any of that would have been possible if I hadn't have come to believe in Jesus Christ. You know, that's Steph's story. You'll read, there are nearly a thousand people who've done Alpha now here. There are tens of thousands more just waiting for an invitation to experience life and hope. And I wonder if God might be calling you today. Come follow him.
prepare the way for the Lord in your life. He's done it before. He'll do it again. But it requires a decision from us. You know, the hard bit of the gospel is you have agency. No one's going to beat you up or force you to be part of what God is doing in your generation. But I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like the crowd who sat on the beach and watched Peter follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And that requires the response to leave the boat behind and step out of that into the, the risk of faith. And so the question for us today is, you know, in this moment, are we going to recommit ourselves to prepare the way for the Lord? Practical terms, you know, that means everyone praying. Get right with God today. Everyone giving. You know, there's no way we can do this stuff. Prepare the way for the Lord unless, well, someone's got to pay for it. And that's us. You know, if you're here and you're part of the church community and you're hanging on to God's money, don't get to the end of your life and have missed out on the opportunity to be part of what he's doing. The numbers are not important. It's the heart that's important. Everyone helping. Find some way that you can put your hand to the pump and everyone belonging. Could you share your life that we would build a community of love? Jesus is calling you today, calling me. How will we respond? And I know when we look back from eternity, only then do we get to see the impact of our obedience, of our sacrifice. You know, the, the form that we fill in today, you know, it, it may have an impact on our bank balance in a time when, we you know, money is short. But we'll never know the real impact of what we do today until we get to heaven. Until the heavens open and we hear the Father saying, come and see. But let me tell you this. When you arrive on eternity's shore, and you follow Jesus your whole life, you are not going to be on your own. You will look to your left and to your right and behind you at generation after generation who will be there because of the praying and the giving and the helping and the community that you have built, that you have served, that you've prayed for. Destiny's changed, eternity's won, and it will have been worth it Every penny, every prayer, every act of love will have been worth it. And to God alone will be the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we're going to take a moment to respond, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to eat you all off. Does that sound like a good plan? All right, okay. What I'd love us to do, we do this as a spiritual discipline, um, as an act of worship. If you would like to grab this gift card, if you are a member of the church and you already give, this is... Um, just confirming what you already do. But if you are, um, this is part of our worship. If someone could chuck me a pen, that'd be really helpful. Can you chuck me a pen? Thanks, Bev. Oh, thank you so much. Um, we're going to fill this in together. And can I encourage you to grab one of these cards? If you're a visitor, just treat this as the offering. We only do this twice a year, and this is the moment to do it today. And so um, we're going we're gonna to fill one of these in together. If everyone can grab one, if you haven't got one, grab one now. And if you need one, if you've lost one, it should be under your seat. Now, if you're just visiting today, you can just say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus or whatever you want to write. 
But we're going to start, and it says, my giving. We're doing the giving bit because, um, well, we'd love you to join a crew. There's a card you can fill in for that too, and we'd love you to join a connect group. But today, we're taking up an offering. We don't do this every week. And so here is, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, I'm giving a new regular gift. If you've not yet started giving, this is the moment to do it. I'm increasing my regular gift. I'm giving a one-off gift, or I'm giving a cash gift. You fill in whatever you want to. And let me just pray as we do this. Let's take a moment of silence. Let's be still and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Lord Jesus, we want to prepare the way that many generations would come to know you. Lord, would you speak to each one of us about how we can play our part today? And let the Lord encourage you. Maybe ask him to give you a number. That's a good thing to do. The Bible tells us no one is under any compulsion to give. You don't have to be here. But instead, we give out of generosity. Lord, would you encourage each one of us today? Give us courage. Amen. Okay, when you've thought of a number, if you want to write it in one of those boxes, and then your details, and we'll fill this in together just so that um, it's really helpful if you've got neat handwriting, is this good? Because our team then kind of type this all in, and um, you type in what your name is, title, first name, Al. Good. Phone number is really useful in case we can't read your handwriting, we can text you. He says. And then email, again, your email address. Mine is al at saint.church. Then your address, this is helpful because um, if you're a taxpayer in the UK, if you give a pound today, the government will add 20% on top of that. They'll give tax back. So you actually, your gift will become instantly, will be multiplied by um, a fifth. So you'll see um, that gift day put back. So that's a useful thing to write your address. And then postcode, E5. And then the date. The date today is the 10th of September. And then the location, we're in Hackney. And then orange box and gray box at the bottom, if you can tick those, that's just so that we can claim the gift aid back and we can um, provide the details. And then there's a signature at the bottom there um, that you're going to want to sign. And then when you've done that, You can <laughs> sign it. I was going to say, I think you can lick it. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can lick it and stick it together. Does, it, does that work, Camille? No, you can't. It's just a card. So fold it in half. Please don't lick it because it'll just be like a bit sweaty mess in the bucket in a moment. Uh, we used to have ones that you could lick and seal, but we phased them out. Um, so don't lick the cards. It'll be weird. Okay. Um, I think the pandemic probably put an end to that. <laughs> okay. When you're ready, we're going to take an offering. And what we're simply going to do is pass the buckets down the roads that we do. But we'll do this in the context of worship. And then we're going to pray um, in a moment. But um, every one of us gets to be involved in this. Um, don't miss this opportunity. If you've not yet started giving, this is the moment. 
And that's why we do it in the context of worship, because it is an offering of worship. It's not a collection. We're not fundraising. God will provide. But we're doing it in the context of worship. So why don't Thanks we stand for together? To this week's and talk. Um, the worship team if you'd are like lead to us. find out more, that right? give or then, connect um, with us. The hosting team Visit with the our website, saint.church. Have you a down great the front week here? And okay, we'll get see ready, you get soon. ready. Okay, let's stand together.